Claire Parker. And I'm Ashley Hamilton. And, and this, this is Celebrity Memoir Book Club. As always, we just do our quick little disclaimer up top that this isn't your mom's book club, okay? We're not going to tell you who from home suddenly got diabetes. <laughs> yes, but we will tell you. Who is a raging bitch. <laughs> Feel free to jump off board at any point. You're not strapped into this ride. But for those of you <laughs> who love us, thank you for joining. We are so excited for this week's episode. And if you guys like what we do here, you can maybe hop over to iTunes and give us, say, five stars. I want to say the five stars fuels our goddamn fires. It's the only source of joy that we have and i want to thank our recent five-star reviewers lily loves gossip ashley and claire also loves gossip so we have a lot in common claire period okay well we have one of those here but i appreciate that you've joined the club b5 baby girl b6 baby girl you can be anything baby girl karen sherbet what a palate cleanser kclc my favorite lauren from the hills turtleneck gals oh we cannot wait to dress for fall need weed whacker for bush do anything you want with your bush this is 2021 baby and i want you to be comfortable roxy flower rocks on the theater geek 21 i guess that's nice i don't know i'm i'm just not a theater person <laughs> morgie mugs oh my god but i am a mug person baddie b83 stay bad bitch kjj77777 that's my lucky number holden's girl God bless Holden. He's got a great girl. One, two, six, eight, seven, five. Awesome. Taylor Thompson. Like Jonathan Taylor Thompson. <laughs> I know it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Please don't come at me about that. Dime, seven, two, one, eight, eight. That's a lot of dimes. Wooten. Hell yeah. Woo. And Tess Kehoe. You're not a hoe to me. Thank you guys so much for reviewing it. Really, it's the only thing that gets us out of bed in the morning and back on the pod. Back on track. Back on the racetrack that we call life. <laughs> Speaking of the racetrack of life, if you were to write a memoir, what would you call your memoir chapter this week, Claire? I think I would call it Friends and Family. Beautiful. If you guys remember last week, I had a comedian be extremely rude to me because we got in a disagreement. Not even a disagreement. I tried to explain to him that because of COVID and his visa situation, he would not be able to travel to Europe this summer. And he was so fucking rude to me, even though I was doing nothing but being helpful. And recently I saw on Instagram that he found out I was dead right. And he's like on Instagram crying about it. And I was like, yeah, bitch, I'm sad that he will not have to suffer more, but I am happy that he's emotionally in peril. So that was great. That is great. Hell yeah. Secondly, I went up to Montreal to visit my boyfriend and his family. I had an incredible time there. Hell yeah. His family recently got two little pet piglets. Hell yeah. I mean, those were friends that quickly became family. Piglets are like little dogs. They just run around and chase you and want to get scratchies. They're the cutest little things in the whole world. Do they have mud on them? Yeah, but you know, you wash your hands. Okay. You're rolling around with the pigs. You're going to get a little muddy. You know <laughs> that going in. There's one thing about laying with the pigs. It's that you're going to get burnt. Yeah. <laughs> and then third of all... I went to a wedding last night. Friends. That was your date. Ashley was my date. I'm actually about to give you a lot of credit. Ooh. I unfortunately <laughs> did have my period and it got all over my dress. 
and a horrible, horrible chain of events. And so we were in the bathroom and I don't say this often, but Ashley, the way you came out of the woodwork with a good idea. (laughs) It's so rare, you guys, that this noggin of mine, people say it's full of turtles, but sometimes (laughs) out crawls one idea. She goes, I know, I'll run to the bar and get you some seltzer water. And we poured seltzer water all over my dress. She was so helpful. She got me like six or seven rounds of seltzer. I kept on having to say no ice. (laughs) And they kept on being like, are you sure you don't want ice? And I was like, I'm actually sure that I don't want ice. It was every single time I went back, we had the same conversation. We were dumping on my dress in the sink. And then I had to hold each part of my dress up to the hand dryer. We did a full dry cleaning in the bathroom. And then you know what? I went on with my night. I cut a rug on the dance floor, even though I was a little biohazard, just (laughs) shimmy and shaking out there. I had so much fun. And I thought, I'm so grateful for a friend like Ashley right now. You're a great date. Thank you. So you know what? I just feel like I had a few days that were just chock full of love and family and revenge where it was due. Honestly, the best thing anyone can ask for. I think when the good ones get good and the bad ones get bad. My friends and family supported me and my enemies fell. I like to see people succeed unless they don't deserve it. (laughs) And then I like to see them fail. (laughs) Ashley. Yes, Claire? If you were to name the chapter of your memoir this week, what would you call it? Do you know what? I would call it This One's For The Girls. Because I have had a great girls week. That's hurtful to hear because I was like not here all week. (laughs) No, it's mostly this weekend, I suppose. I feel like lately, even when I'm not caught up in dating, I'm still like thinking about dating. And I feel like a lot of my thoughts and things like that revolve around boys and even when I'm in like a fuck boy mode I'm still like who's gonna get this bitch laid this week I feel like I don't focus on my girl friendships and like I had a friend date today I had some some great girl hangs recently last night we went to that wedding where those cute little girls at the end of the night the little flower girls came and were like dancing with us last night me and Ashley were at this wedding where we were the only two white girls there and the very last song of the night was a Lana Del Rey song I said oh hell yeah this one is for the white girls it was our time to shine when I say we were the only two people on the dance floor (laughs) we were not the only two people on the dance floor because then all the little kids came and they liked dancing with us too and I thought it was really sweet and I was like oh look at these little girls I hope that they grow into become confident Lana Del Rey's themselves not that I hope that they (laughs) whatever and then I went to a bar afterwards because you know I can't go to sleep so I went out after the wedding in a hurricane in a hurricane (laughs) it stopped caning for just a moment okay i said henry you french bitch you will not take the girls down okay you fucking hurricane boy and so then i went out dancing there was this one guy like creeping on so many girls and so we were running around protecting the girls from this creepy ass dude until finally the bartender noticed and was like dude you're gonna have to leave you know it was just like really fun to turn it into like a real girls night fun don't forget to check on your gals is what i'm saying you know who's not for the gals (laughs) our memoirs this week I feel like reading this book juxtaposed with my weekend I was like I need to take more care in my female friendships and I need to be for the gals because there are some people out there who are taking the gals down and they are doing it dressed as Wonder Woman you guys I always think of this job as a job and sometimes when we say we read the book so that you don't have to Sometimes I mean it as a joke, but sometimes I'm like, wow, what a chore this week's read was. I would call it a slog. This week was one of the worst books I've ever read in my life. We read this book because we were interested in getting inside the mind. We were like, is this pregnant woman pregnant with thoughts as well? And the answer is no. Olivia Munn, (laughs) you may know from our viral journalism 
where we said that Olivia Munn is pregnant with John Mulaney's baby, which we have 100% surety is true. Yes. It's not confirmed to the public, but it's confirmed. To us. So we read her book and good Lord, I almost might lobotomize myself because (laughs) I don't ever wanted to think another thing again now that my thoughts have been poisoned with her thoughts. This book actually helped me in a lot of ways. I think that I've felt quite angry towards a handful of our memoirists in the past and reading this set a new bar and it will help me respect other memoirists in the future. So Olivia Munn. I call her Olivia Butt Munch. So Olivia Munn wrote a book called Suck It, Wonder Woman. At no point does she really explain why she hates Wonder Woman. But Ashley, before you read this book, what did you think of her? I thought she was very beautiful. Oh my God, same. I thought, wow, that girl who keeps on showing up in different things on TV and not really making an impact does actually make an impact because I, I say, who is she? She's very, she's very beautiful. I also knew her as a rather famous PR girlfriend. Mm-hmm. she's like the kind of girl that they pair up with a lot of men who need PR in terms of the bearding them. Yep. A famous beard. Like who? Aaron Rodgers. Excellent. Who's now married to Shailene Woodley. Sure. <laughs> who I actually don't think is his beard. I think that they both just mutually benefit from this relationship. I think she's so like woo woo and out there that she's just like, we respect each other and we don't need sex to have intimacy. I agree. Anderson. I think she's like, we really connect on a spiritual level. That supersedes physicality. She's like, by that I do mean we have separate bedrooms. <laughs> but I think before he met a girl like Shailene, he was like, how am I going to cover this up for the NFL? And Olivia Munn was like, I got you, bitch. What did you know about Olivia Munn? I also knew that she was very beautiful. I knew she was in some things. I watched her in one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life last year called Wedding Repeat, I think. So I knew that she was beautiful. I knew that she was not that talented of an actress. I also knew her as a famous girlfriend. And then, of course, I knew her resurgence because of the John Mulaney thing. The more I had sort of pulled up the threads of Olivia Munn. What we found was a tapestry of distrust. A lot of people, a lot of women specifically, whiskers are tickled with distrust. Like a lot of women were like, I think there's something suspicious about her. She's famous for obviously dating John Mulaney right off the rehab. She apparently also dated Chris Pratt right off of his divorce. And then someone just came into my DMs and said she dated Casey Musgraves ex right out of their divorce. So there is something very shady happening there. Maybe it's a divorce fetish. Some gals have it. I asked my Asian American friends. Okay. Not that they speak for every Asian American woman in the country, but they were like, we do not like her. She does not represent us. There is something very male gazy about the way she's like, I'm a dork and I love dorky things and I'm just a hot little dork. I think that there's always been something a little male gazy about her. And I think once we cracked these pages, that was blown right open. That's what we knew. We had our suspicions going in. I don't think we were tainted by them. I think I would have been very open to being changed. I will say she presents cool girl vibes, Anna Kendrick style. What I mean by Anna Kendrick vibes is like the irreverence. Yes. That doesn't translate great. Mm-hmm. Like I know in interviews, she's a little bit irreverent. She's been on The Daily Show. So she mm-hmm. has some sort of comedic acting experience. I was like, maybe she is fun and cool and reading more about her will change my opinion. Maybe she's not showing this. I'm not like other girls behavior. Maybe she will have this really endearing Gabrielle Union style memoir where she like really stands up for the girls. I mean, it's called Suck at Wonder Woman. I was like, maybe she's going to talk about the negative portrayal of bitches in spandex. You know what I mean? I, maybe. I don't know. She didn't. And what we found was one of the biggest pick me's I've ever come across. For those of you who don't know, pick me is a TikTok term for 
exactly what it sounds like a woman who just wants the guys to pick her yeah it's a girl who's not like other girls olivia munn is nothing like other girls so this book suck it wonder woman it gave me like big captain underpants energy and just the layout and that it was like a book for people who couldn't have possibly been expected to read sentence after sentence it's not necessarily a chronological memoir it is more of a collection of nonsense essays listicles chunks nonsense chunks of nonsense as we learned you have to look at the details one thing we learned in our very educational episode with our friend caroline calloway is that the illustrations all of those little elements matter and the elements that we get in this book is if you flip through the bottom corner features a flip book of olivia munn doing a little dance can you believe that that's what her book is about. Getting to watch her body writhe on the page. Boy, oh boy, does she love to imply writhing. The book is 34 chapters with titles such as Star Wars can totally help you in life. My fans rule and are really good artists too. Surefire pickup lines for college kids trying to nail their teachers. We've also got random true story number one, random true story number two, and random true story number three. If you can get friction with that too, but you deserve a 25-year-old girlfriend. I also want to point out that the subtitle of this book, Suck It Wonder Woman, is The Misadventures of a Hollywood Geek. And obviously, because she came up on Attack of the Show on G4, she has a huge geek audience. Her primary audience is young boys, I think. And so she wrote this book for them and not us. And what she does, I think, is very definitively write a book for little boys while also failing to prove her geekdom in any way. She just tries to redefine the word geek eight different times to be like, no, I I am one though. I've seen Star Wars. I've literally seen Star Wars. Because this is not your traditional straightforward memoir, I do want to give you guys a quick rundown of the facts gleaned from this book and things I just happen to know about her. She was born in 1980. Her mom is Chinese by way of Vietnam. Her biological father and her mother broke up pretty quickly. She was raised in Oklahoma. Her mom remarried when Olivia was two, a Navy guy. They moved to Japan. They moved around a ton. She was at different schools all throughout her childhood. When she was 16 years old, they moved back to Oklahoma. When she was in Japan, she had been a model. So when she came back to the States, she was auditioning for things. She got a degree in journalism. She moved to LA. She was trying to become an actress. She got famous primarily through hosting gigs, such as the G4 Network, Attack of the Show, which is really where she made her name, and her niche as the geek queen. She has since been in random TV shows, movies, some of the worst things you've ever seen in your life. She was on The Daily Show for a minute. She was a correspondent there. She was in the newsroom, I actually think. Yeah, I heard she was actually good in that. Like, I've heard she's not a bad actress. I don't know. It's hard for me to want to give her a lick of credit at anything after reading this book. I'm just saying, not a bad actress, yes, a bad person. But she wrote this book in 2009, and that's just a little bit of a background on like who is Olivia Munn, how did she get here, why are we stuck with her? And why is she telling Wonder Woman to suck it? These, my friends, are the questions we ask ourselves over the next hour. So because this book is mostly listicles and chunks, we're just going to go through some of what we feel are the most important chunks that we receive. And I also want to say, in the little parts about her life, she does give us a glimpse of her childhood. She says it was the sort of childhood that makes you either desperate and suicidal or makes you see the humor in almost every situation. I chose laughs. Now, when she explains her childhood, I don't know that she says a single thing that seems particularly traumatic 
other than like light bullying, the kind that every single child in the world experiences. She goes back and forth between being like, I had no friends. And then at every new school, she does her best to make friends. By the end of the year, she's always either on the cheerleading squad or become a model or she has multiple stints in the popular group. It does seem difficult to be part of an immigrant family in Oklahoma. Yes. And it does seem hard to be moving around constantly. Her mom marries a white guy. She has a blonde stepsister who's in her grade. And she sort of explains that she thought they'd be like a dynamic duo. And it turns out the sister was really immediately accepted, this little blondie. And then Olivia was kind of the outcast. And like that sucks. Mm -hmm. But boy, oh boy, have we let it define ourselves. (laughs) The whole book is kind of suspicious. The first chapter is called Rough Love and it's about her first boyfriend. And she talks about how there's this new guy in school and nobody likes him just because he was chubby and quote weird and quote retarded. (laughs) Oh my God. And she's like, but I liked him because he was chubby and because he was odd and because he played Mario Game Boy all day. Those are things she likes in a man, which already sets the stage. The thing about Olivia Munn is she's not like other girls. She likes chubby dorks. And that is something she makes clear time and time again. So she becomes his girlfriend and she finds out he has Tourette's. And then she's like, just my luck. And that's the punchline of the joke is that her karma got her some with Tourette's. It's very cruel. I would say very cruel. She's like, I just decided to pick him as my boyfriend. And then as soon as I spent more than like 14 seconds near him, I realized he had Tourette's. Yeah, she goes, God damn. Hi, karma. I'm Olivia. Sorry for whatever I did in my past life. Can we move on now? So that's the Olivia story is that crazy things happen to her that are always just kind of mean to other people. But I'd say the moment it's literally clear that this book is written for the male gaze is in the chapter sex. What you can do to help yourself have more of it. I will say I didn't understand what this book was until I got to this chapter. She writes a bunch of tips for getting laid for boys. She's like, guys, this is what you need to be doing. Wrap your dick up, idiots. She like explains how to dirty talk. She explains that you should be listening to your girlfriend because it makes them hornier for you. Oh my God, this is literally a book for like 17-year-old boys trying to lose their virginities. She loves to straddle the line of a guy's girl, but the guy's girl that you would want to fuck so bad and is so horny and down for whatever. So in addition to being like, yeah, I'm the girl who's going to like tell you the secrets to help you get that girl over there. Then she goes on about the art of seduction and she goes, this is a tad more ambitious, but totally worth the effort. If you're driving by yourself and you see a place that looks great for fucking, a clearing in the woods, a roadside waterbed, etc. Remember it, then drive back with her in the car. Pretend like you just thought of it and tell her you want to have sex in that open house. But only if you can afford the mortgage, because there's a good chance that she won't want to leave. In which case, don't forget to have your mail forward and the cable disconnected back at the old pad. Everything in this is to evoke having sex with her. She's very horny, but she's also going to help you get laid. But in the meantime, if you guys end up having sex with Olivia. I wonder if her original pitch for the flip book at the bottom was her demonstrating a blowjob on a banana. God, she would do that. And then she would write a whole chapter about like, can you believe they took me up on that? I didn't want just a cheap laugh. I felt very sexualized. So instead what I did is I did a blowjob on a banana in an alien costume because then it's funny. You guys, I know that this book makes it sound like we're being like, this dumb bitch hates other women. Idiot. But it was really, truly hard to read how disrespectful she was to other women. Let's get on to our next favorite anecdote called My Dinner with Harvard's Finest. This is the defining chapter of this book for me. This was the chapter you can't come back from and you can never be on Olivia's side again. This is a chapter where she is out to dinner with a famous Hollywood director and his girl du jour. That's what she calls her. She says nobody seemed to mind the fact that he was throwing food into his mouth like a baby whale. She's at this dinner with this most disgusting man alive and he has a hot little babe on his arm and is me. 
mean to this girl. He turns to her and says, doesn't she look like a whore? Just like that. Like he was asking if we thought it might rain later. She went to Harvard, but she looks like a fucking whore. The director said he's being awful to her. Horrible to this girl as his date. And according to Olivia, everybody else at the dinner was just sitting and staring and watching and allowing it to happen. She goes, I didn't bother looking at director guy as I'm sure he was just staring at her as well, waiting to see how far he could go. The girl just sat there for a moment, then summoned her grand retort. Shut up. She didn't say it with authority or with fear or really any emotion at all. You've got to feel it, sister. Shut the fuck up. Followed with a cocktail shower. That's what she should have done, but she didn't. That's while he's belittling her. Then finally, Olivia Munn says, why are you putting up with this? And here's how Olivia Munn describes herself that I think it says everything you need to know. Most women would be appalled to hear a man degrade another woman like that. And I am definitely one of these kinds of women. Generally, I find this kind of boorish sexist behavior as nauseating as mom jeans. And I just think there's everything you need to know about Olivia Munn. I hate sexism. It's as gross to me as when women don't dress sexy. (laughs) I hate putting down women as much as I hate the ugly fucking clothes that dumb bitches wear. I'm sorry. I know that I'm quoting now every single line in this whole chapter, but I do think every line like adds to how horrible Olivia she goes. The whole thing was complicated by the fact that she had made a specific choice to hang out with this guy, this director, this sloppy boy who's famous in Hollywood, not so much for his body of work, for his ability to be a complete and utter asshole. Um, yeah, Olivia, and so were you. But what's worse is you were there to try and work with him and you were watching him be horrible and you had no prior relationship to him and apparently you could clearly see what a dick he was. And yet, instead of saying anything to him, you sat there and stared at his girlfriend and said, why isn't she stopping this? Yes. You were at the fucking dinner too. So Olivia finally says, why are you putting up with this? And everyone at the table goes silent. The girlfriend goes, putting up with what? And Olivia goes, um, putting up with him, calling you a slut and a whore and trying to embarrass you in front of us. And then she goes, she sat there collecting all of her Harvard thoughts. And then after a deep breath, says something that you could tell she thought was poignant and profound and made complete sense. So the girl says, okay, like 99% of the time he's this asshole, but 1% of the time he's really, really amazing. And Olivia goes, she seemed very content and proud of this answer. The director beaming looked back at me for my response. He was obviously really enjoying this. And I said, okay, see that bus boy over there? What if he was 100% of the time as amazing as you say, ask scratch or here is 1% of the time. Would you hang out with the bus boy? So now she's just like calling this girl a gold digging whore in front of the entire and table. And she says that the dig- the director himself turns and goes, yeah, like, why are you with me then? So now, after watching this disgusting man that Olivia agreed to sit down with, claims to have known was disgusting, has watched to be disgusting, she's now turned on the girlfriend, the 23-year-old, whose big crime here was having gone to Harvard. <laughs> Somehow having gone to Harvard is used as a weapon against her in this whole scenario. And now... She's turning the director against her, too. I mean, like, she's doubled down and come at her harder. So now this girl, embarrassed, just says, shut up. Olivia goes, I couldn't help myself. And yes, this was maybe not my proudest moment. I asked, have you fucked him? The girl goes, no, of course not. I've only sucked his dick. This is, like, appalling. I'm, like, rereading it now. She goes, shut up. I went to Harvard. I don't have to take that. They're just being so cruel to her. And Olivia is, like, cheering her on the fact that this girl's standing up, walking away from the table. And she goes... Finally, I felt good. She had stood up for herself, literally, and I'd helped her do it. Amen. You humiliated her. You were horrible to this girl. You saw a woman getting berated by her boyfriend and like attacked her doubly for allowing it to happen to her. She has not said one word to the director yet that maybe he shouldn't treat her like that. That thought has not crossed her mind. 
She's repulsed at the girlfriend for sitting there as she sits there. Yeah, Olivia could have taken this out on the director. She could have said, you're taking advantage of this poor girl or like, why is this girl with you? Like, why are you hanging out with this girl if you think that she's such a whore? She instead goes after the girl and says, why are you with this director? And then... The punchline on this tale is she had finally stood up for herself. She realized she doesn't need him, his connections or his money. Hallelujah. She was saved or was she? Girlfriend grabbed her purse and turned around to face the director. She was going to tell him off. She was going to tell him not to call her a slut or a whore to really let him have it. She was not going to let him get away with treating her like that no matter who he was. She took one last deep breath and said, give me some money. I have to pay for the valet. So he gives her money and she leaves. And Olivia's grand conclusion is, I guess you really can buy love or whatever passes for it in a dimly lit banquette. As I sat waiting for my car, she drove hers away from the valet. And that's when I saw it, a bumper sticker on her Toyota 4Runner announcing to the world at University of New York Community College. So awesome. So the punchline on this story is that the girl actually didn't go to Harvard. I mean, I don't even know that she didn't. I think that could have just been a joke. There is no New York Community College. Like, I don't think that's a real college. The chapter is called Dinner with Harvard's Finest. So again, the joke is on this woman. Yeah. And she thinks she's helping a woman stand up for herself. It's really like a grotesque story that I cannot believe she wrote down. That's why you don't have a male ghostwriter and she probably had a male editor. I think we were the first women to ever read this book. Yeah, I mean, they did a lot of work to actively prevent women from reading this book. That's the kind of person we're dealing with here. Someone who sees a woman in need and is like, how can I double down and really ruin her life? And call it helping. So there's a couple other chapters in this book that are so definitively for the boys. It's like 270 pages, but it certainly wasn't 270 pages of writing. We have, like I said, a lot of lists. We also have a lot of picture chunks. She does this one section where she just does single page dedications to a lot of her favorite pieces of fan art. So it's just like 15 pages of drawings of her. She has another section where she pays tribute to great women in history by just doing cosplay of these women. So it's just single page photos of her dressed up as various women, including Pocahontas, baby. She dresses up as like slutty Eleanor Roosevelt, slutty (laughs) Rosa Parks. But I want to get to another chapter that is just... For the boys. You want to talk about how for the boys it is. She has an entire chapter called boys can be really great and also really effing annoying. The opening sentence is literally, I probably don't need to say this, but I will anyway. I love boys. I grew up with two brothers and around lots of male cousins and friends. Now I very much enjoy kissing boys and I often get to third base and even further. And then she goes on to like three things boys do that it's annoying. And it's like, do not become a whiny bitch when you get sick. Don't talk like an asshole. Talking like an asshole involves using the phrases all hands on deck. It's really blowing up. Let's kick things into gear. It's better to give than receive. Okay. To say it's better to give than receive and be like, you're a dick. That's like actually a nice thing to say. It's better to give than receive. Also, the example she uses for when somebody says things are really kicking into gear and all hands are on deck. One of her friends just signed on to a ton of really cool projects and her boyfriend is hyping her up and he's like, yeah, like things are really kicking into high gear right now. It's all hands on deck. She's got so much going on. And she found that to be asshole behavior. For a boyfriend to hype up his girlfriend, who is presumably her friend. That's Olivia Munn. The third tip she has to boys to make them be less annoying is, and I quote, have a menage a trois already. She claims that boys are really annoying because they're always begging for a threesome. Her advice to boys to be less annoying is have a threesome as soon as you can so you get out of your system. Nobody wants to date that annoying threesome virgin who's always trying to have a threesome. And she's like, plus, you're not going to want to marry the girl that you have a threesome with. So have a threesome with two fives because two fives does equal a 10. And it's better to have a threesome with two ugly girls than be waiting your whole life for a threesome with two hot girls. That's her advice to make men less annoying. She's so cool. She's the cool girl who's just like, get your threesome out of your system. 
so thankful for this walk through her brain. I'm like, my God, what is this about? Like, what is she saying here? I don't understand. There's this whole category of Olivia Munn chapters in this book, which is just like advice to the boys. More than advice to boys, it's softcore porn pretending to be a life story. I'm going to chapter 12. Muscle relaxers and swimming fully clothed don't really go together so good. So this chapter is about how Olivia Munn is not much of a big drinker. She's not like a sloppy girl who lets herself get out of control. But one time she went to a wedding where she drank a ton and then the maid of honor gave her a muscle relaxer. And so she and the maid of honor decided that it would actually be the best idea to make everyone go skinny dipping in the ocean. They all run downstairs and then Olivia Munn seeing everyone stripped down is like, actually, I'm not going to do that. Because she goes, my boyfriend was there and I don't think he'd appreciate it if everyone saw me naked. So she's in this story, both the perfect girlfriend and the perfect sex object. I really am impressed by the way she's able <laughs> to appeal to every type of male gaze. So she's taken muscle relaxers and she's drunk off her ass and she jumps into the water with her clothes on and obviously starts drowning okay so then her boyfriend runs into the water to save her and instead of taking this moment and being like boy oh boy did i almost drown she and the maid of honor just go back upstairs to take off their wet clothes and start hooking up in the shower she talks about feeling her friend up and how her friend was flat i mean she's literally like our soapy boobs are pressed against each other <laughs> But before I could go any further, she knocked over a bottle of champagne and it broke. So they got out of the shower. And then here's how the chapter ends. What do you think happened after I made out with the maid of honor, broke a champagne bottle and gave her some dry clothes to wear? Here are your answers. A, fell asleep. B, went to her room to finish what we started. C, had an orgy with her husband and my boyfriend. Or D, went back to the ocean and almost drowned again. Maybe one day I'll tell everyone what I think really happened. Maybe I'll put it in the next book. To be continued. What a fun choose your own porn adventure. It's like, did we have an orgy? Did I fuck a girl? Or am I just a sloppy idiot who got drunk in the ocean? Oh my God. I'm not going to tell you I did, but I'm not going to tell you I didn't. <laughs> you know how there are some books that are kind of romance novels, like good little jerk off books that you don't want to seem that way. <laughs> good little jerk off books. Like Fifty Shades of Grey or... Yeah. Okay. Like it's not full on porn. It's not erotic fan fiction, but it is pretty Yeah. Like much. you can take it on the subway, but people know what you're doing after the subway. <laughs> exactly. And I was going to say that this is that book for boys, but I do think I would much rather see straight up an erotic novel on a man's nightstand rather than seeing Olivia Munn's memoir. <laughs> yeah. Like that he's using his imagination, her standardized testing situation to try to jerk off later. <laughs> I would just be like, why are you reading Olivia Munn's memoirs? This is a red flag. Why are you filling in the bubbles to get hard? It's <laughs> <laughs> multiple choice. I don't know how far it went with the bridesmaid. <laughs> so aside from the fact that Olivia Munn wants you to be able to picture her naked at literally every point in time possible, she also thinks it's important to let you know that she's not just like some hot girl looking for some hot guy. You have a shot with her. She would, dare I say, rather date a geek, according to the chapter that we'd like to call. It's called Why I'd Rather Date a Geek. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, she's just talking about how geeks aren't just dorks and they're not just ugly guys. They're anybody with passion and they're actually so smart and so intelligent, and so much better. She says that when she was a kid, she didn't have many friends, but the geeks and the dorks, they always had a spot for her. She says no matter where you go, there's a table full of dorks who has a seat open, basically. So why would I rather date a geek? Because geeks are smart and passionate and really sweet people. 
and because geeks made me feel comfortable being myself and not feeling the need to conform. Here's maybe the top pick me sentence I've ever read in my life. My jaw dropped when I read it. I could not believe an adult woman who was almost 30 put this in print and was like proud to do it. I'm asked a lot if I'd ever date a geek. The answer is hell yes. I'd prefer to date a geek. And let me be clear that the word geek today does not mean what it used to mean. A geek isn't the skinny kid with a pocket protector and acne. Being a geek just means that you're passionate about something. So she's like, I still wouldn't date an ugly kid. Yeah, there can be computer geeks, video game geeks, car geeks, military geeks, and sports geeks. Geeks are now sexy and empowered and strong and creative. I mean, look at Bill Gates or the Google guys. Geeks are empowered and strong and creative. Wait, oh my God, she wrote that same exact sentence twice in a row. So I guess Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for Green Bay, is he, geek. Is he a football geek? <laughs> but this is the sentence that I gagged. So if you were there, geeks, it's me, Olivia. Would anyone like to come over and play Call of Duty 4 with me? Or if you'd rather, I'm sure I've got a 12-sided dice around here somewhere. Olivia, you are 30 years old. Call of Duty 4? This is like a parody of an adult woman. I think it's cool that you're losers. But don't be ugly. She's like, geeks aren't guys, which is a pocket protector. It's not always just some pimply kid. So if you're that pimply kid, I'm literally not talking about you. I'm talking about sports geeks. Passionate sports boys. (laughs) Who maybe play video games. I will say that I think her redefining of the word geek is twofold. I think it's so that she can pretend that she dates geeks. Literally, geek is anyone with a passion. But I also think it's so that she can still be a geek. Because throughout this book, whenever she mentions geekdom things, I will say... From reading this book, I feel like I have the same understanding of nerd culture as she does. And she hosted a fucking show about it. I think that if I hosted a show about that for a couple of years, I would actually know a lot more just by virtue of having read script. Even if I didn't do any of my own independent research, just saying those things into a camera, you learn them. She at one point, so she has a chapter called Star Wars Can Totally Help You in Life. She goes, it probably won't shock you to learn that I like the original Star Wars quite a bit. I'd probably say I like it as much as the next guy or girl. She just says that the movie is iconic. She's like, you know, Star Wars, it's actually quite iconic. And a lot of people like it, including me, pretty much. And she has all these metaphors throughout this chapter that make absolutely no sense. But then the things that she says about Star Wars, like Yoda, sweetie, baby, love ya, but you're not exactly considered a badass. Yoda is a badass. That's the whole point. She also says... For me, the dark side is all of the people who have tried to hold me back or undermine me or sit in the way of my dreams. And so then whenever she needs to fight those people, she uses Jedi powers to restrict their breathing and then pick up a drinking glass and smash in their faces. And she's like, okay, yes, that is a Darth Vader move. But I'm like, maybe you're the dark side. She goes, lessons can be learned from each and every movie in the series. Like, take this lasting and most important lesson from Return of the Jedi. If you ever have the option, always, always wear a gold bikini. Which is funny because then she later goes on to say that she has one regret in life and it's wearing the gold bikini. She literally is like, I only regret one outfit and it's because I didn't diet that hard the week before. Let's get into dieting. She says a lot of horrible things about bodies in this book. I think the one thing that I kind of respected is that when she talks about all those spandex midriff bearing outfit, the slutty outfits that she's worn to like dress up as geek characters and be the perfect Mm -hmm. nerd boy fantasy. She talks about how she doesn't eat for three weeks before each shoot. And I was like, okay, I do respect this honesty because she also just goes on and talks so much about fucking pie throughout this entire thing that I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I do think even though she like steps on her point so many times throughout this book during those chapters where she says, when I was doing these outfits, I basically stopped eating. I was like, this isn't healthy, but I'm happy that you admitted that throughout this book. She says that she loves pie so many times. That it's like if you had said, I didn't change a single thing about my eating habits. All I did was mainline pie 
and then get into these tiny little outfits, that would have been really frustrating. But instead, she just has horrible things about other women's bodies and then admits that she stops eating when she has to dress up. Can I tell you one of my favorite sentences she has about other women's bodies? Sure. Dating. Apart from trying to figure out why the hell some starlet's boobs hang so low, is there any bigger mystery in the universe? Why would she say that? Can I repeat that sentence? Please. Dating. Apart from trying to figure out why the hell some starlet's boobs hang so low, is there a bigger mystery in the universe? So this line, I want to dive deeper. This was a little section where she's talking about dating. In an attempt to be funny, she's like, what are the most unbelievable things on earth? Is it the fact that the moon is made of cheese? That's pretty unbelievable. Is it the fact that carrots grow on the ground? Pretty crazy. Oh, what if I say that some famous women have shitty, saggy tits? And I don't understand why. (laughs) Next to love, that's life's greatest mystery. She is such a woman-hating cunt. By the way, to wrap up this chapter really quickly so we don't even have to come back to it before we get into the rest of the body image shit. These are dating tips to totally help you score. Tip number one is pack up the pickup lines, so don't use pickup lines. Two is slow down speed racer. And it's basically that you shouldn't go in very quickly with buying them stuff. Tip three, you don't have to pay to play, player. Any female who's worth having around will offer to pay her portion and maybe even the whole bill. I always offer to pay for my share and even the entire tab. Part of the reason I want to pay is to tear down the idea that a lot of people have about women expecting men to pay. I wouldn't call myself a feminist, but still, that's backwards and bullshit. And I think any self-respecting chick will say the same thing. Well, can I say something? Every time that I've been on a date where I offer to pay and then they accept it, especially if it's like a first or second date, I'm furious. Is that fucked up to say? No, especially if someone invites you. That's the thing is I do feel like for early dates, especially when we're just getting a drink or something. If it's like just a drink, buy my fucking drink. I know. And also it's just like once we start dating, I usually go pretty 50-50. I don't really split checks, but I feel like I'll pick it up half the time. They pick it up half the time. It's no big (laughs) deal. When a guy doesn't pay for my drink on the first date... I'm just like, okay, like I wasn't going to like make you go into debt over this relationship. But the fact that I'm not worth a $6 beer. Yeah, I just want to read this quote. This isn't that important, but it just goes to show how bad her humor is. Another tip here is as the meal is winding down, slip away to the bathroom and hand off your credit card to the waitress. I love that it's the waitress. Like, of course, it's a waitress and not a waiter. When the bill comes, it'll be taken care of and you'll look like a P-I-M-P. That spells pimp for all you illiterate or blind people out there. Hey, if you're a blind or illiterate, how are you even reading this? Sneaky robot eyes you must have. Speak like Yoda, I sometimes do. (sighs) I just feel like that whole thing about like, I'm a geek and I think geeks are hot and I'm sexy and you could totally have a threesome with me and also I'll pay for dinner. (laughs) Don't buy me anything. I'll pay for everything. We get it. You're the male fantasy. Anyway, speaking of the male fantasy, she's also the American fantasy. Chapter 10, the 10 major points of Olivia Munn's 2024 presidential campaign platform. I swear to fucking God, if she actually tries to do this, because I don't doubt it, I'll lose my mind. So this is a chapter, a listicle of just the 10 points of her presidential chapter. And I want to skip to number two. Yes, please. I will fix America's obesity problem by taking all motorized transport away from fat people. In turn, I will build an infrastructure of fat tunnels where all the fat people can walk. This will create jobs and subsequent weight loss. 
I wanted to walk off a cliff after I read this. I was like, this is the most insane thing. Who let her write this down? It's crazy because she really hates fat people. So, but she also calls herself fat people But often. then she loves pie and she hates that fat people don't eat salads and stuff. But then her big personality trait is loving pie. So let's go to point number five. Pie would be its own category placed at the top of the food pyramid. It seems like that would kind of undermine your uh, motorized transport situation and the fat tunnels. And then let's skip down to nine. Forget what I said about pie as a category. Pie should actually be our new monetary unit. People will now haggle by saying that's not worth five meringues, maybe two peach cobblers at most. Okay. We get it. You love pie. You're a cool girl who can eat as much pie as she wants and never get fat. But you know what, you guys? She's not your regular hot chick. Yeah, she's she's actually kind of fat. So the crazy thing about Olivia Munn is beyond the fact that loving pie is a big part of who she is, she really doesn't see herself as skinny like other women. And we'll get more into this when she talks about how she was offered Playboy, but she goes, it was so shocking to be offered Playboy because I'm not super skinny like other girls. Okay, Olivia Munn. But she also says, I'm proud that young girls out there can see a girl who has hips, a butt, and some fat in her arms can get a chance to make it in Hollywood. And that even with the roundness of my belly and my carb-loaded lunches, I can still be asked to be on the cover of magazines. I can have my pie and eat it too. And then she goes, in interviews, I'm often asked what I think about being a sex symbol. And my answer is always, that's very nice. And if people consider me sexy, I think it's great for young women to see a real woman with real breasts and thick thighs considered sexy. I hope that changes the insanely narrow definition of sexy we generally see in the press and on television. Young girls should be proud of their imperfections and curves. And then I think, suck it, skinny bitches. When she first rediscovers pie and just starts eating pie every day for lunch, she obviously gains a little bit of weight eating a ton of pie. She claims she's eating two pieces of pie a day. (laughs) Yeah, but she also says that she was skipping other meals to eat two pieces of pie. Like she would have a dinner party and sneak off into the kitchen to just eat her two pieces of pie and like not eat the other food. She says instead of eating dinner, she would eat two pieces of pie. I do want to clarify that. It's not like she's adding two pieces of pie to her diet. She's replacing food with two pieces of pie. And she says, the thing about stretchy pants is stretchy pants fit everyone. So when you're turning into a fatty like I was, you can still feel sexy. It's funny because it's so many mixed messages because in this chapter, she also talks about how she was able to relate to her fans because her and her co-host were asked, how do you guys keep good bodies? And her co-host was like, you know, I eat well, I work out. And she's like, you know, I just was straight up and said, I'm eating so much pie. I can't fit into my size 25 jeans. And I lifted up my shirt to show that my size 25 jeans were unbuttoned. And my tummy was pushing out. And she's like, and then people loved it so much. They started sending me all these pies. And I love you gift. Size 25 jeans are so fucking tiny. I'm pretty sure 24 is the smallest size that most places carry. How do I keep this body? Please. I'm so fat. I can't even fit into my size zero pants. It's literally size zero. My favorite part too about this pie chapter is so I guess like she really becomes the pie queen. And so for pie day, they do this thing where if they can get 50,000 fans to sign off, Olivia Munn will jump into a giant pie in a French maid's outfit. Of course, this was her idea. (laughs) She came up with it. And then what was her response to it? She goes, cool. So I'm going to put on a patent leather French maid outfit and then jump into a ridiculously large pie. And then what? I just sit there like some stupid ass chick who thinks she's hot and the audience loves me so much that they'll just sit there watching me sit in pie. Ugh, I despise girls like that. 
but it was too late. I'd announced the petition in my plan. So how could I save myself from this? Then she comes up with the idea that her male co-host will jump in with her. And then the day of what they wanted her to do. So she was wearing a robe. I couldn't believe this was my goddamn idea. I was standing in a robe with heels, garter pantyhose and some lame lacy headband. And I was regretting every moment of it. I could see the crowd behind the cameras with all their own cameras smiling and giggling. So the producer wanted her to drop her robe and slowly walk over to the ladder. And she goes, no, that's so stupid. There's no way I'm turning this into some dumb strip show. That's just going to make me look like an ass. I'm going to be one of those girls who gets up trying to look sexy and thinking that's good TV. It's not. I want to just skip ahead to when she does jump into the pie. And she goes, I just went with it. The only thing I could think that made sense. I started splashing my hands in the chocolate pudding like a baby in a bath and burbled. Om nom nom. The crowd erupted again. I mean, that's her thinking on her feet. She was like, okay, what's the craziest, funniest thing I could do right now? We had fun and stayed true to our sensibilities and our humor. My heart goes out to every woman who's been put in a situation where she has to be sexier than she wants to be or that she has to rely on being sexy in order to get ahead of her career or whatever. But this was her idea. And then... She goes, I despise women who do things like this. And it's like, you're the woman who does stuff like this. And then for her to be like, we saved it. It was funny. I made a joke. What was the joke? Saying om nom nom. It's never a story of like, oh, I regret saying that. I wish I hadn't cut to the easy laugh. Wish I hadn't relied on just being like a hot girl. And so she goes, I hate girls who do things to just be sexy. I'm not like them. Anyway, back to me in a French maid's outfit jumping into pie. (laughs) It was so funny. No, you were the girl you hate. Why do you have to put other women down in the process? Speaking of putting other women down in the process, this book does not mention other women unless it's to basically call them stupid, to say things that they do that she doesn't respect. Okay, so let's see. She has the, as as a sex object, when she makes out with the other girl in the shower. Mm -hmm. And then finally, we get mention of a close friend of hers who lost her job, I guess, and so asked Olivia Munn if she can move to LA and be her assistant. So Olivia Munn fires her assistant so that she can hire her friend to be her new assistant. And it turns out her friend is a terrible assistant and it like ruins their friendship. (laughs) Those are the other women that we have in this book. Gold diggers who are too dumb to stand up to their director boyfriends and then other friends who are too stupid to be an assistant. I mean, even she tells a story about going into some famous old producer's home. A big thing she loves is not knowing who anybody is. So we get multiple stories where she meets an important producer, an important director, and will straight up go, I don't know who you are. She walks into one guy's room and he shows her some antique dildo that he wants to give her as like a gift. And he's like, I've used it on many women in the past. And she sees a photo of him with an ex-girlfriend who's an actress she admires. She goes, all I could think is that he had used that dildo on her musty, dusty, closed up vagina. And it's like, Even the women you claim to respect, you're like, they're dusty old vaginas. And it's like, why did you have to say that? Take the dildo and run if you respect her. If somebody was like, hey, this was inside of Angelina Jolie. Do you want it? Would you be like, ew, that bitch is old now. I bet she's been a puzzle. Honestly, I don't think I'd want it because I I just feel like that's gross. But I... I wouldn't would. be mean about it. I wouldn't be mean about it. Well, I wouldn't be mean to Angelina Jolie. It's not her fault that she continued to age after having sex with this man once. Yeah, actually, no, I probably would take it. <laughs> I would just like keep it in a closet like a party trick. I'd be like, you guys will not believe what I have in my closet. Angelina Jolie's dildo. But like the <laughs> last thing I would do would be like, oh, that disgusting bitch's dusty pussy. Yeah. <laughs> like the person to not make fun of here is the woman that's like not even present. I just don't understand how the woman is always the punchline. Always. Here's another example. Thoughts about my first agent's girlfriend's vagina. 
when she first moves to LA, she lands an agent who's really just kind of like a sketchy guy who calls himself an agent. And he basically immediately is like, great, now you're signed to my agency. Can you dog sit for me? And so she goes to his house to like meet the dogs and look around. And in the bathroom is like photography of his girlfriend's vagina. And he's like, isn't this great art? It's my girlfriend's vagina. And she just is like ripping this woman's vagina a new one. She's like, I can't believe how like gross and disgusting this vagina was that I was looking at photos of. She goes, to me, vaginas look like messy, open-faced Reuben sandwiches. Not mine, of course, but this one looked like that. <laughs> Lesson to be learned. You may be a desperate newbie and really, really want to make it. But if someone ever offers to be your agent, it's not worth admiring his girlfriend's hairy badge. It really is a lesson in how to check every single woman off the list of, okay, have I insulted this girl? Check. Have I insulted this girl? Check. What are the things about women in general? Oh, how about how they're gold diggers? How about how women have disgusting bodies, saggy tits, and hairy vaginas? Why do you keep saying these things? No one asked. <laughs> Wait, I actually just flipped to one other great mention of a girl. So when Olivia is trying to fit in in school, she talks about how she would change her style all the time to try and fit into different cliques. And at one point she joined like the prep squad and got a job at the Gap so she could dress preppy at a discount. And someone mentioned that they liked her cargo shorts and she was so excited. I told her that if she wanted to go to the Gap, she could use my discount. And she said she'd call me. Note, she never did call me the preppy skank. It's just a fun little offhand comment. I was like, this girl didn't want to be my friend. What a dumb whore. This woman made an offhanded compliment trying to just be generally nice to me. I hope she dies. <laughs> Do you want to sum up random story two? The four paragraph story about the time she went to Sundance and was being outfitted for snowboard gear and a black man said hi to her and she goes, oh, you're little Wayne. And he goes, no, she goes, you're little someone. And he goes, little John. And she goes, he was mad. I didn't know who he was. That's a cute story. Yeah, I think you just summed it up. But I think she's really proud of that story. She's like, how funny is it that I just had no idea who this guy was? And I knew that he was definitely just some famous black guy. So I started guessing them. <laughs> Hilarious. So should we talk about her Playboy cover shoot? Yes. This is another really good example of how Olivia Munn plays the game of I'm not a slut. I'm just a really hot girl that is going to make sure you fantasize about having sex with me for the rest of your life. So basically what happens is she is offered the cover of Playboy magazine. But she immediately says no because she was like, I'm not about to get naked for anything, for anyone, except that maid of honor at that wedding. And if you want to picture me naked, you're welcome to. But I'm not going to literally get naked. She turns it down. She says one of the reasons she didn't want to do it is she goes, I know a lot of people think my fans are sweaty, overweight geeks who want to see me naked. Well, they might be right, but they're mostly wrong. I think the fans would look at me like a sellout. A fame whore is trying to get by on her looks alone. Well, that and her vagina. My fans and I have something special that most people in the spotlight don't have. It might sound cheesy, but the truth is we are friends. And I wasn't about to let down my friends. I have to be honest, Olivia, I do not think your fans would be let down if you had done fully nude Playboy. Yeah, I literally don't think that at all. So here's the thing is she turns it down, but not without telling literally everyone she knows that she got this offer. And she like sent a mass email to G4 being like, can you believe I just turned down Playboy? LOL. Which is funny because in her chapter called Don't Talk Like an Asshole, one of the things that she says you should never do is tell people that you're doing well on the internet or brag about something good that's happening to you. Right. So she sends out several emails about the fact that she got Playboy and did turn it down. 
her bosses, it turns out, were like, yeah, we're okay with you posing naked. Playboy is a huge PR opportunity for our fucking failing network. Go be naked, idiot. And so she does turn it down. But I guess the network went and negotiated with Playboy and they came back and they were like, "Okay, come do the cover. You don't have to get naked. She also thinks that her being offered the cover is about Playboy's like a wholesome rebrand, which I actually was a part of. She gets this offer. They re-offer her Playboy no nude. She really explains the contract specified no pink, which means no nips, no vag, no pink anywhere. She says that like four times and it really grossed me out. I don't know why no pink was a real like icky thing for me to hear. It's an icky way to describe the bodies. Yeah. Anyway, so she gets a no pink contract. (laughs) So we get to this Playboy shoot where she has a guaranteed no nudity clause in her contract. And she mentions that she didn't get to work with the stylist that she wanted to work with because the photographer they were working with was like, I have a stylist that I want to work with. And so she gets there. And this stylist that he's picked out is this Scandinavian nut job named Gustav and Gustav cannot process no nudity he's like it's playboy what the fuck are you talking about no nudity and he like really flips the fuck out he's like you're gonna wear this mesh thing that I've carefully picked out for you and she's like this just wasn't my vibe it wasn't what I wanted at all this shoot was an absolute nightmare she had to call her publicist immediately and be like get down here they're trying to get me naked and I get that that's awful like you have agreed to this absolute no nudity shoot and the photographer and the stylist are just not on the same page as you and they're trying to get you naked like that sucks and there are a lot of instances of people sort of being coerced into nudity when they didn't want that initially and I feel really bad about it but she like instead of having any sort of lesson about standing up for yourself uses as a chapter to be like fuck gustav forever sometimes i think about him and i think go fuck yourself gustav she also has this weird takeaway which is gustav is like i've done more nudity on esquire or gq shoes and she goes of course you have i think to myself afraid to speak up and yell at everyone because it would ruin the shoot i'm the one who sets the tone and energy of the shoot if if i show everyone that i'm upset the shoot will spiral downward faster than it already has what i want to say is this of course you've shot more nudity in those magazines it's not playboy playboy still has a stigma i've shown more of myself in vanity fair but that's different if i show more in gq i'm being artsy and sexy if i show more in playboy i'm just one more tart in playboy so you think Playboy is full of tarts, but you've still signed this contract. Yeah, it's funny because she's like, I'm not morally opposed. I just know that people will think I'm a slut. I don't want to be thought of as a slut. The other funny thing is that she's like, I wish I could have stood up for myself. This chapter comes after she berated that other woman for not standing up for herself. She can't because, you know, it's on her to make sure everyone feels comfortable. But every other woman is just a cowardly bitch. Yeah. So this chapter is really interesting for a lot of reasons. I think the most interesting is just the fact that a lot of women have a hard time in Hollywood, but for her, it's worse because she's trying to carry the whole shoot on her back. She tells another story about a time a man was inappropriate with her Yeah, and she goes to hang out on set. This is another time that a woman was a bitch and the man wasn't. A friend of hers is a PA and brings her to set to just like kind of look which i think is bizarre because sets are very busy places they're not somewhere for like the lowest member of the team to bring a friend i don't think that you even can like we have friends who are pas and i think if i was like oh my god can i come to work with you one day they'd be like no i'm busy i work at work so there's two stars there and it's so funny because there's a man and a woman 
the male actor. She goes, holy crap, here he was talking to me. Or at least he said hello and flashed a blindingly white smile. That was a hell of a lot more than the lead actress had done to acknowledge me. Well, in fairness, she had sent over a flurry of mental daggers my way when I had overheard her asking an assistant if any of the pretty girls on set were prettier than her. Actor dude, by comparison, seemed so human, so normal. He even wanted to speak with me. Then is a little story about how he thought she was his assistant and he asked her for water and she goes, seriously, he thought I was his assistant? And I was like... I don't know. You are just like running around on a set trying to talk to the actors. That's who's talking to the actors. The actors as assistants. You're not a guest celebrity on set. You're the PA's plus one. They should not be bringing a plus one to set. The actor girl is probably like, who is this random person on set that's not doing anything to help the production? And the guy is like, oh, she is doing something to help the production. She's my assistant. Assistant, can I have some water? So then the story goes that her friend that brought her to set was like, can you bring this producer, his plate of food so she goes into his trailer and he comes out of the bathroom and then he jerks off at her which is horrible and apparently he jerks Awful. off to completion and she says the cum like gets on the roof yeah she said it explodes like everest it's really fucking disgusting Wait, that's not a volcano is it i don't know anyway it is disgusting she also says a lot a lot of things about how repulsive this director was she talks about how he's just like guzzling his food like a gnarly slop goblin somehow the way she talks about him she's like not as mad at him as she is at that girlfriend from before she ends up being like it was kind of nice to know that the people that you think are disgusting are disgusting she says i hadn't actually been shocked by anything i'd seen appalled sure disgusted you bet but not shocked she's like yeah that's just what happens dudes are disgusting and rude i am confused by why her friends sent her in there that seems like deeply inappropriate obviously what he did is horrible and i wonder what director it is me too so this chapter is one of two moments of sort of vulnerability sprinkled into this book of woman hatred. <laughs> and it's really bizarre because they don't fit at all. Well, I guess there's three moments of vulnerability. There's the moment that the playboy stylist is really cunty to her. There's the moment that she gets jerked off at, which is really unsettling. It's horrible and I hate that that happened to her. But even in the way she tells it, it's very like, it didn't bother me, though. I wasn't shocked by it. She's like not one of those girls who gets mad about sexual assault. I know. And I like want to give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, that's how she processes trauma by pretending it doesn't bother her. <laughs> but then we have this third moment of vulnerability, which is the chapter where her grandmother dies. And this is a chapter where she really opens up and she's like, I felt so bad that I was such a snobby teen living there, just never wanting to talk to her. She says the last day that her grandma was alive, the grandma came to her door at night to say goodnight. And Olivia pretended to be asleep because she didn't want to get stuck in conversation. And we read this a lot, this whole hindsight about someone's passing. Chris Jenner was the fucking queen of being like, you always answer the phone because you don't know when it's going to be the last time that you talk to someone. And so when I didn't have lunch with Nicole and then she got murdered and then I didn't talk to Robert and then he died. She really learns this lesson about 18 times. And I do think that now Chris Jenner maybe went into the phone. Mm -hmm. TBD. We'll find out in the next memoir who she didn't talk to before they died. But Olivia Munn has this moment of being like, you know, I really regret a lot about this day. The main moment that she regrets is when her grandma collapses. Her grandpa is over her trying to figure out what's going on. Olivia calls 911 and the paramedics are like, you have to give her CPR. And Olivia is too afraid to give her CPR. Then when the paramedics come, they get her to the hospital. She's all hooked up to the machines. She's still technically alive, but she was deprived of oxygen so long that she is brain dead. Olivia ends this chapter by being like, I do regret that I was too afraid to give her CPR because it could have possibly saved her. But anyway, 
<laughs> you live and you learn. <laughs> and then she's like, anyway, now my grandpa's dead and that's good because they get to be together. Thank God everybody dies. <laughs> Everyone who could live to be mad at me has since croaked. <laughs> Should we move on to the final and my favorite chapter, the chapter where she does Jimmy Fallon? The true cherry on top of this pie. So she talks about she was nervous of doing it because she was a guest with Artie Lang and Artie Lang is famous for being a comedian and, you know, stepping on jokes and trying to be a real ham. But she gets a joke in and it was the funniest joke anybody had, had ever heard. heard. She says after, during the commercial breaks, producers and executives have been running down to the set saying that this is the best show they'd ever had. Jimmy came to my room later and said, there are shows that you dream and you wish to have, but you never think you can get them. This was that show. So in addition to being geek who loves to date geeks and she's sexy and she loves to eat pie. And if you go on a date with her, she'll pay for the whole bill. She's also the funniest woman that Jimmy Fallon has ever met. And Artie Lang. Artie Lang, I guess, the next day went on Stern and was like, you will never believe who's hilarious. And can I say how well this PR has worked of like Olivia Munn as this hilarious dreamboat? When I was talking to my dad, he was like, who are you reading this week? And I was like, Olivia Munn. And his first question was, Olivia Munn has a memoir? And I said, yeah, hard to believe, I know. And then his second thing was, isn't she really funny? And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, she was on The Daily Show. She was That's a correspondent. He, he was yeah. like, she was on The Daily Show. And I was like, I hate to break this to the world. If you are listening to this right now and you're just finding out, I'm really sorry to tell you this. On TV, most of the time, the people you're seeing are reading off a script. So there are like funny writers who write funny things for other people. I can't believe The Daily Show was like, we should probably get a woman in here. Who's the hottest one we can find? There's like a million comedians, but none of them. And I do believe Olivia Munn has good comedic timing because she's really good at being dry. Like she does a really good dry, cool girl for television. I mean, she is a dry, cool girl. She seems like the coolest girl. Nothing gets to her. Not a jerk off, not a death, not nothing. The only thing that really gets her too flustered is when she sees poor, famous men getting taken advantage of by young whores it is hard and that's when she has to put her foot down you hate to see it i always say hey whores step away from these powerful <laughs> men <laughs> i can tell that you're using them for their money and all they want from you is your hot hot bod and if you're not going to give that to them for free and cover the bill yourself piss off <laughs> should we wrap this episode up with our favorite listicle yes what's your favorite listicle my favorite listicle is a chapter where she just writes a bunch of tweets from the perspective of princess leia can i ask you ashley do these tweets make any sense they don't let me give you a taste if you guys are thirsty she says gonna be near tatooine this weekend if anyone knows a good thai place help me at obi-wan rules hashtag yucky death star no, seriously, at Obi-Wan Rules, you are like my only hope. Hashtag yucky death star. I do want to clarify this is three pages. Sleeping in this cell is wreaking havoc on my due. No stupid jokes, please. Heard them all before. Okay, she's also just like responding to other tweets by supposed people in the Star Wars universe. So she's replying to them being like, yes, at Flying Solo, I would call that a disturbance in the force. I'm glad that she wrote this or someone wrote this. Okay, my favorite listicles is a tie between surefire pickup lines for college kids trying to nail their professors and unfortunate email sign-offs. So yeah, I'll give you a taste of both. So here's some surefire pickup lines. I'm interested in speaking with you about opportunities for extra credit. Need anyone to clap your erasers? My dog ate my homework while I was busy eating ecstasy. Can you do seven through ten real quick? Nice tie, nice shirt, 
nice lecture. Come here often. So those are good teacher specific pickup lines, which I want to clarify in a previous chapter about how to date. She said, don't use pickup lines. And then here's some unfortunate email sign offs. Send from the women's bathroom glory hole. Have a ducky day. Your time is my money, my body, my choice. I don't really get that one. I think she's just saying sentences. Namaste. If you like your freedom, thank a bush. This email was sent from inside your house. Jesus loves you. Taking care of business and sent from my iPhone. Those are unfortunate email sign-offs. I don't really know why. I don't know how. I don't know what. But there you have it. Four pages in the book were dedicated to somehow those 19 words. Claire. Yeah. How do you feel about Olivia Munn now having read this book? I want to hope that she's changed. I do think if I met her in real life, I would ask her to explain and apologize for this book. And I do believe that if she didn't come out and fully apologize for the book, then she hasn't changed enough. And I still hate her. I also think what we were talking about before, like her history of dating recently divorced men. I know she's a beard for a lot of them. I don't like what she's about. Olivia Munn, women aren't that bad. You can come be our friend. Well, you can't be our friend. We don't like you. But I mean, if you apologize and learn from your... I do 100% know she's having that baby. And when it comes out, you heard it here first, bitches. Yeah, I will say that one thing that I learned about Olivia Munn through reading this book is that I thought that she was just kind of hot and not that interesting before. And now I think that she's hot and like seething with evil. I think she should go to jail. I think she's a bad person. I think she's like bad for women. I do think she's bad for women. She is literally just willing to walk in a fancy outfit and tell men all the things that they have believed about women for a really long time are true. And then also be like, and don't clean up. I like that your room's messy. She's like, when a room is messy, it's really lived in. You could walk into any room and it'll smell like a squeaky clean hotel, but I don't want to live in a hotel. I want to live in your hell pit. (laughs) (laughs) The house is the man cave and the yard is the girl cave. I sleep in the yard until you're ready to have sex with me. Yeah. And then I go back outside because you're a big man and you deserve a big bed for yourself. Anyway, what cartoon character should I dress up as today? Yeah. (laughs) My vagina's perfect. (laughs) All right, you guys, we love you so much. As always, join the Patreon. On the Patreon, we will be letting you know what books we're doing in the next month. So if you want to join it like a real-ass book club, that's the place to go. We've got great content coming for you there. We've got the wormhole on Facebook. And always, please rate, review, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Yeah, we know that you guys hate when we like truly despise our booker of the week. But we have some really, really fun ones coming up that I'm really excited to do. And so I think we'll be just the right amount of fun and not full of hatred. So love you guys. We love every worm from here to space to Tatooine. Bye. Bye.